Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies that you can use to get the breakthrough you're looking for in your life. I'm your host, Dr. Nevada Gray. Joining me is my co-host, Chris Donahue. We're glad that you're joining us today. If you are enjoying our podcast, we invite you to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from you. Today's episode is sponsored by the Paleo Pharmacist in the Keto Course. Have you ever wanted to learn about the ketogenic diet and how to implement a properly formulated ketogenic diet into your lifestyle? The Keto Course includes instant 30-day access to a one-hour, one-on-one consultation, a month of unlimited email support, over 75 amazing videos, and printable 14-day meal plans, along with grocery lists that will speed up your weight loss and help break stalls. To learn more, see our show notes. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information is provided for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your own personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet and fitness. Grace Wang is a former binge eater who also suffered from chronic fatigue. She found her way back to health using a ketogenic and carnivore diet, turning it into a lifestyle. Grace was also able to lose 30 pounds and keep it off and is now focused on inner health and self-love as she continues navigating the ups and downs in her health journey. In this episode, Grace shares her experience with binge eating disorder, hormonal health, weight loss, and finding self-love with weight gain. Follow Grace on Instagram at ms.grace. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying our episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We love hearing from you. Grace, how are you? Welcome to the podcast today. I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much. This is awesome. I've been wanting to make this happen for so long because mm-hmm. I'm a super fan of yours on Instagram, all of your amazing food dishes, and I've been following your journey um, probably ever since you've been on Instagram. And for those of our listeners that may not be familiar with you, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I will date this all the way back to sixth grade where I started really focusing on my diet and exercise. And I mean, at this age, I think you're kind of noticing the differences between yourself and other people and who's more popular and kind of just like all this media exposure. So I remember starting in sixth grade, I would walk after dinner, I would walk two miles by myself every night. And I remember I'd only eat like a cup of spinach for dinner because I wanted to diet down. I was um, doing 100 sit-ups a day. And this kind of perpetuated like, okay, eat healthy, don't eat too much. Um, 
but then at some point that backfires. And um, I mean, I, re- I remember even trying hydroxycut. I don't know if you remember that is. I'm probably dating myself. Um, but there were these pills that were heavily advertised where you could lose all this weight, be skinny. Um, and then fast forward to ninth grade where I start, like on Halloween, I had a bite of a Reese's Pieces. And I literally could not stop eating since then. I was like, oh my gosh, sugar tastes so good. And it fueled this binge where I just couldn't stop eating. I mean, I gained 30 pounds between ninth and 10th grade. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. You know, I blamed myself. I became withdrawn, depressed. um, And I tried to control it with by signing up for cross country, which... At that point, even running, like we were running 11 to 13 miles a day. I actually gained weight still because I was binging so much. And this kind of took a toll throughout my high school years. I mean, all I could think about was eating, like when my next binge would be. I mean, it was kind of like one of those thrills, you know, like, okay, if I get home, no one's around and I can eat whatever I want, you know, hide the scraps, hide the trash, whatever it was. Um... But, you know, I think that just perpetuates the cycle of, okay, binging, restricting, blaming yourself, becoming more kind of depressed and, you know, like, I just wanted to be by myself all the time because that was my comfort, eating by myself. And I don't know, it was just very shameful because I didn't think anyone else in the world was like this. And, you know, willpower can only get you so far. Right. So if you're restricting yourself after a binge, you're like, well, that doesn't work because now you want more food after a while. Um, Yeah. So I guess I didn't realize this was an issue because like I had chronic fatigue also, but I didn't really connect the dots. So I was like, okay, well, I'm binging, blah, blah, blah. That's that's just going to be part of me forever. But I was also suffering from chronic fatigue. I fell asleep everywhere. I was known as the girl that fell asleep in her classes. Like I could get up fine, like at the crack of dawn, totally fine. But once I sat down and someone was talking to me or at me, I would fall asleep. Um, So throughout high school and college, I was that girl just eating snacks during class all the time, falling asleep, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But it wasn't until after college where I started working out and exercise became a main focus instead of my diet. Um, and I think this is where we were flooded with like the, if it fits your macros type thinking, and all you have to do is work out resistance training and, you know, you'll be strong, but I never thought my health or my weight had anything to do with my diet. I was eating carbs, you know, there's like that myth that you have to eat within 30 minutes after working out. That's your anabolic window. Like up your protein after your workout and you know I just bought into all this like bro science stuff um but yeah then I heard of keto and carnivore and here I am today like no chronic fatigue I have stable energy throughout the day um I really don't binge too much I still have tendencies and I don't think that'll ever go away but I can keep them at bay right now like if you just up your fats and your protein mostly fats help. Um, but it was a lot better than when I tried keto, when I tried to control my macros. Um, 
yeah, so that's where I am today. Yes, and you, you have such an inspiring story. And one of the things that I really appreciate about you and how vulnerable you've been on Instagram is that you've shared your process of how you've worked through being able to manage uh, binge eating disorder. And this is something that a lot of people struggle with that they don't talk about because they feel shame and they recognize something is wrong, but I don't quite know what it is. I don't understand why I can't stop eating. And I was just wondering if you could share with our listeners a little bit more about the binge eating disorder, especially for those listeners um, that are with us today that are struggling with this. What you, what does that feel like? And when did you recognize that this is what you were struggling with? And how did you go about the process of um, navigating your way through um, trying to control your uh, micronutrient hunger and appetite with adjusting your macros through uh, low-carb, ketogenic, um, and carnivore nutrition? Mm -hmm. So it's funny that you... Um that what we realize now obviously is stuff we wish we realized earlier on. Um, but I definitely felt this starting in ninth or 10th grade when I started binging on sugar and carbs because I had cut myself off from that for so long. So when I first had that bite of Halloween candy, it just felt like a dopamine hit and I just couldn't stop. And my mind was consumed with thoughts of eating. Like I just, I mean, you know, you can only bring so much food to class or whatever in high school. Um, but afterwards is when I was really excited and looking forward to going home. I felt like I had to finish all the leftovers. I mean, if there was a bag of chips, I couldn't eat half a bag of chips. I had to eat the whole thing. I had this urge to finish everything. So, I mean, I remember gorging on like lasagna, like anything that we had in the fridge and I felt like I had to lie to my parents, like, okay, like, I'm just really hungry. I'm like, you know, a teenager. And they just, they didn't mind, you know, they're like, oh, you know, like, she's hungry, she needs to eat. But I would eat and eat until it was full. But then I still couldn't stop thinking about food. So you just eat until your stomach is, until you're in pain, you know, I was in the fetal position, like every afternoon. But you tell yourself you're going to do better the next day. Like, okay, maybe tomorrow I won't be, I won't eat so much. Like today was just a bad day, but then it just happens every day and it's really mentally consuming and you feel like a failure. Like why are other people so normal and they can think about other things, have fun. Whereas I'm just in my room, like in pain and thinking about food. I just couldn't stop. It was and then it brought me into like a depression, you know, and at the same time, like, um, I don't know if this had anything to do with me binging, but my mom had cancer at the time and my grandpa had brain cancer. Now, I don't recall connecting the dots back then. And now looking back, okay, maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe I was more withdrawn just because I had to like take care of my mom and she had to take care of my grandpa, things like that. But um, yeah, it's just kind of like a comfort. Obviously, uh, you know, 
a lot of people think of food as comfort now and it was like that but to the max degree yes do you find that you were using food as a way to kind of control your circumstances that that was the one that you could control yeah yeah exactly it's the one thing that was you know it's always there for you um you know you and it's not like I could talk about this with my friends or anything and even now like when I first started talking about it on my Instagram that was the first time I've ever talked about it with anyone like and it was to strangers too so I know that like when my friends probably saw that like no one had any idea so saying that almost felt like it was just the secret that had just come out and I just you know there was embarrassment around it like okay like you know how come Grace never talked about this before or um but I was really withdrawn in high school and probably fueled by the shame around it. Yes, and so many people live with shame over various uh, aspects of their journey, especially in relation to food. And one thing that you've been really passionate about speaking on is hormonal health versus weight loss and finding your, your self-love and your confidence at a healthy weight where you have regained your health and you feel good. Um, and I'm just wondering if you could walk us through that journey, um, you know, kind of starting with how did you find uh, the ketogenic nutrition approach and how did you evolve that nutrition approach along with your mindset as you went along in the journey? Yeah. Um, so first I first heard about keto maybe five years ago and I was, I literally laughed at my brother when he told me about this. I was like, there's no way eating all this fat is healthy. And there was like a bowl of watermelon in front of us. I was like, yeah, right. I'm not giving up fruit. Like this is ridiculous. Fruits and vegetables are good for you. And then a year later, my friend told me about it and I was like, okay, there's gotta be something to this. So I kind of, I think people in the space or in passionate about anything, go down this rabbit hole of like researching and, you know, I found articles and websites and I was just like mind blown. Like how do, how does the general public not know about this stuff? Like, and it just seems so taboo when you hear about it, like the keto diet or the carnivore diet, you know? Um, But yeah, so when I started keto, I was more low carb. I didn't really buy into the upper, like higher fats and stuff like that. So my now husband, he would add uh, butter on his steak And I would be like, no, I don't want butter on my steak. Like, just leave it plain, you know. Just got to keep it low carb. So we'd have steak salads, and we're pretty consistent with that. Um, But I was on birth control since I was 18, and I'm in my 30s now. So, I mean, I feel like that has really screwed up my health, which I didn't really realize until I got off the pill. Um, I was keto for about one year while on the pill, and then we decided to go carnivore together. And at the same time, I was like, well, if I'm improving my health, I might as well get off this pill that I've been on forever. Like, it's not really doing anything. Like, my periods weren't that regular with it anyways. Um, So I got off, and the withdrawal symptoms from getting off the pill were so bad. I was bloated like crazy for three to four months, and I was doing all this research on it. I mean, there's research on you know, your acne coming back or hair loss after getting off the pill, but less about bloating after it. So, um, 
yeah, anyways, I, for three or four months, I was just feeling really terrible. Like some days I'd feel better, but even if I was on carnivore, um, and I just thought there was something wrong with me, but you know, I got it all checked out and there was nothing wrong with me and the bloating just went away by itself. Um, so being on carnivore without the pill has led to like more imbalance, like more weight fluctuations. So while when I was on keto, I was able to get pretty thin and stay that way and maintain and feel fine. But then it gave me this idea that, okay, maybe carnivore is not the best for me, which, you know, it's great for some people, but I was thinking, okay, maybe it's not the best for me just because I'm gaining weight and then I'm losing some weight, but then I'm gaining and not, and just feeling kind of fluffy, you know? And I was really terrified that I just keep gaining weight because I was, I had lost 25 pounds or something on keto. And I was really scared of being back in a place where I would be in this mindset of like, okay, now I have to count my calories again. Now I have to track my macros because this isn't working. But, you know, I think your mindset also shifts from wanting to focus on your health versus how you look. So in the last, like, mid-2020, I started, that's a year and a half after I started carnivore, I actually started getting a regular period, which was, like, a godsend. I mean, for that year and a half off birth control, I was getting very irregular periods, like, And I don't even know if they were just withdrawal bleeds or periods, but I was getting them like every 60 days, every, you know, 35 days. And it was just so unpredictable. Um, But, oh my God, I was so excited when I got like my first period, you know, my first regular period after like 30 days or something, I was like jumping for joy. I'm like, oh my God, like, I can't believe it took a year and a half for this to regulate, but it makes sense because I was on it for like 14 or 15 years, you know, you can't undo all that damage within like a couple months. Um, but yeah, so with that, um, I have also gained some weight and I definitely do look different than when I first, you know, dieted down with keto and it's just, I just have to keep telling myself like, this is the healthiest I've been. And a regular cycle and ovulation is a sign of that. I mean, it's, I threw away the scale like early last year. So that was also great for, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't like weighing myself. It was a stressor every day. Like, okay, is this water weight? Is this fat? Is it going to go away? I mean, the fluctuations can be as much as like three or four pounds. So it was really stressful for me. Um, but now I don't weigh myself and I could just feel that I have gained weight just by the way my clothes fit, even though like most days now, cause of the pandemic, I just wear sweats. But when I do decide to put on jeans, yeah, I can feel it. So what I've done is like following your minimalist stuff. I've thrown away all my old jeans that like, I, that would stress me out because, you know, I don't want to try and live to fit in these jeans. So I threw all those out. I got some bigger ones. And now I think I'm at a maintenance point. And maybe this is the my body set weight. Like maybe this is where I'm supposed to be. But I think I feel my best just knowing that I'm, you know, all my hormones are kind of in check. So just focusing on a, how I feel versus how I look is is more important. And that's a lot easier said than done, of course. 
What were some of the strategies that you used to navigate that ebb and flow? Because I, I relate to everything that you're, you're saying, because I kind of went in on an all-in journey myself mm-hmm. this year. And after reaching my leanest weight on zero carb, I added some foods back in because I wasn't feeling good at that lean weight and I was having some health issues. So I started adding back in and I gained um, 11 pounds, which I'm at a maintenance set weight that I feel really good at. And I feel my hormones are in check and everything, um, you know, I'm sleeping good. And I just feel an overall sense of wellness, but that was hard to navigate going from being um, obese to your leanest weight. And you can't believe, oh my goodness, I can't believe I've achieved this body composition. Mm -hmm. And then kind of being disappointed at, at that level and realizing that that's something really hard to maintain. And where do I go from here to find something that I can maintain and be at, you know, at a stable set weight and be able to enjoy food and have that food freedom? How did you navigate that ebb and flow? What were some things that you did when you got in that mindset where you might have been panicking a little bit or questioning yourself versus uh, trusting the process? How did you navigate that? Yeah, well, I guess the way I see it is that there is really no other option. Like, I'm not going to go back to eating how I used to eat. You know, this is the best I've felt, like, energy-wise, mood-wise. And just thinking about, like, okay, well, if even if I did keto, I had more binges than I do on carnivore. So, I mean, there it's almost like I can't go back to how I used to eat or there's no way I'm going to restrict myself again, because if I do, that'll just fuel more binges. So, I mean, the, the most important thing I've like gained from this is food freedom. And I still want to feel that because it just feels so good to eat anything. I mean, all these nutrient dense foods, it feels so good to eat them without having to count calories or having to worry about Um, you know, well, I guess, you know, I'll only eat half a pound tonight because I want to be skinnier, um, you know, or whatever it is. Um, I just couldn't go back to restricting and I liked how I felt. So I just kept going with it. And that's kind of where it's hard to think like that when you do fall into like, um, some days where you don't feel so self-confident, you know, it's hard to be like, well, what's the point of this? If I'm like, fat anyways or whatever it is um you know uh I just have to focus on health above everything else health and food freedom for me it's really a huge mindset shift because I think people get discouraged when things like this come up or some certain setbacks but just because you go through a negative doesn't mean there is a positive that comes after it and for me hormonal health is hugely important. And I mean, it's important for any woman, like, regardless of if they want babies or not, right? Um, Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much what it is. And I can't see myself eating a different way. So I love how I, I love the food freedom this provides. And for those of our listeners that are with us today, that may have just binged, and are wondering, what did you do 
when you would have a binge, how did you get back on track the next day after a binge? Um, yeah, so right now it's, it's vastly different from how I used to see it. You know, I used to binge and just try and restrict, which when you're eating a ton of carbs, there's no way you can go like (laughs) several hours without eating. So restriction back then was probably just several hours. And then I was like, okay, screw it. Like, I'm just going to eat now. Um, now how I view it is just get back on the next meal. Like your next meal, just eat when you're hungry and eat what, you know, whatever you, I guess for me, it's carnivore. So it doesn't affect me. It doesn't like have this downward spiral effect like it used to. Um, so now when I do have my binges, it's just like, okay, like that's it. That's what happened. Now time to move on. And I think consistency is the key to all of this. Like just because you messed up once doesn't mean you have to keep, um, messing up or eating bad. Um, like you say in your podcast, like every moment is a chance to do better, make the right choice, you know? And I don't like to really see it as right or wrong, but, um, instead of wallowing in what you did and focusing on how, you know, how bad you were or something, just focus on what you can do the next moment. So like usually my binges, like if when I do have them, they're like after dinner, like, oh, I still want something or um, and then I'll eat something at night. Go. I won't go as crazy as I used to. I'll say that like now I can moderate my binges if that's a thing. Um, But yeah, the next morning I'll just have eggs like it didn't happen and then just keep going on about my day. Um, and now they don't turn into like days of binges. It used to be like, well, now I ate unhealthy. So I'm just going to keep binging like every night for the next week. Now it's just, if I binge, I kind of get it out of my system and then I'll be good for a while. So these binges are infrequent. They still happen. And, you know, I'm still a slave to like, okay, like if I have a bite of carbs, I'll probably just keep wanting to eat more. Um, but yeah, it still happens to me. I'm not perfect, you know. Yes, and I, I appreciate your honesty in that because I think that that is the ebb and flow uh, of the journey. A lot of people mm-hmm. uh, struggle with that. And in recognizing triggers, too, what's going to trigger me um, to to have that binge. And one of the things I'm curious about and that I love about your account is you have all these amazing, simple recipes your food always looks delicious. And I love seeing the creations that you're making in your kitchen. What does um, a typical day of eating look look like for you? And then how do you go about uh, your creative process in the kitchen? Thank you so much. Um, you know, it's funny. When I started keto, um, I didn't know how to cook at all. I could make maybe some burnt eggs. Um It was just like I, you know, I could do hard boiled eggs and that was fine. Um, Yeah, it was, it's been a process to learn. And I think that's kind of created like this joy and now like this excitement of like, oh, what can I make? Like, what can I do to make this better or whatever? But my husband actually taught me a lot about how to cook. And now I do all the cooking. Whereas when we first met, he was doing all the cooking. (laughs) Um, 
I don't have a, like, I feel like I don't have a process, but just combining all the foods that I like, um, especially with like, you know, the burger press, you can put anything in there. Um, and there's really just a limited number of types of foods that I eat, you know, like there's steaks, ground beef and all this stuff. Um, I guess just combining it all together and making it fun. It makes it exciting to eat. Like, um, you know, you worked hard to create this and now you get to eat delicious food. I think that's part of the joy of the carnivore diet. So it never gets boring, you know, but I do keep it simple. So this morning I had fried eggs. I'll have about three fried eggs. And then at lunch, I'll have a snack, maybe salami and cheese, pork belly. And then at dinner is when I like to have my bigger meal. Um, so usually a steak or two or burgers. Like, I love to make burgers. Um, but before, when I was on keto, I actually did intermittent fasting. And for some of carnivore, I did that too. But I was really obsessed with, like, my eating window. You know, I had this app where it counted down your fasting window or until you could eat and I would get my food ready and wait till that clock hit like okay you can eat now and then I'd take my first bite of food and I've actually had to step away from that in the last six months or so um, because I started getting hungry early like at eight for some reason so it took me about two weeks to realize like I should probably listen to this hunger signal I mean, I was hungry at 8 a.m., which never happened before. I was always hungry around, like, 11 or noon. And I just, this was part of the um, feeling where I thought I was backtracking. Like, okay, am I going to get fat if I open up my eating window again, you know? Um, but after two weeks of that, you just realize you can't, you can't stick to something that's not going to be sustainable. You know, you can't, I didn't want to think about it all morning. Like, okay, when can I eat? When can I eat? Um, so, I, so I started... Uh, just moving my eating window to earlier and that's what I've been sticking with since and it's helped with intuitive eating I mean I just eat when I'm hungry and it was really hard to feel like I was backtracking to that but I mean it works for me right now so I'm happy with it Yes, and I think that's the key um, in this and maintaining health and weight loss is the sustainability, enjoying your plate with food that you like, uh, the creative process, and just keeping it simple. It doesn't have to be something that's overtly uh, complex. One of the things that I also love um, about following you is you have three amazing dogs and you also transition their diet. Uh, to improve their health. And I was just wondering if you could share a little bit about that for our audience. Yeah, um, I have three pit bulls and one of them has, I've seen like a dramatic transformation with her. Um, so we started her, she's 14 years old now. She's a pocket pit bull, which means they're just shorter and denser. Like kind of, she looks like a little rhino. Um, but she, she, yeah, they all her litter mates have only lived up till up to about nine, eight or nine years old. She's 14 now. Um, but about three years ago, maybe we transitioned her from, they were on kibble from Costco and we transitioned them onto a raw meat diet. Um, we added in organ meats. It's funny cause she's actually the pickiest out of all. She only eats ground beef. Um, 
so that's kind of like the people too right you have what you like and um but the boys will eat anything they'll have liver chicken thighs and we just feed them raw unless they're sick then we cook it for them um but for the girl she was having joint issues really tired it's really hard for her to get up out of bed to walk at all um but she's her energy has increased quite a bit um she gets up before the boys. I mean, the boys are three years younger than her and she's up before them. And she's like, uh, you know, she has this waddle. She just waddles around and she's really excited to go out. Um, yeah, it seems like her joint issues, she's not as much in pain anymore. And they all had skin issues too. I think pimples are prone to that, but they all went away. They had weird allergies and bumps on their skin, but those are gone also. Um, I think it's really important to take care of your pets, you know, like as you would, I guess, yourself, like your own body. Um, it's crazy that if we associate like carnivore diet with being ancestral, well, like think about it with our dogs, you know, since dogs are, have evolved from wolves, you know, they were carnivores. So it's only right to feed our dogs carnivores and not store-bought grain filled food and so that's what we've been focusing on and yeah it's given them more life I think what did your veterinarian think about the transformation in the health of your dogs they well actually we haven't really been back much since <laughs> since we transitioned them because they've been fine um what I mean we only go back for a major thing so one of our dogs had surgery like a couple months ago but yeah they I mean, they're all in perfect health. I mean, we've taken them back for checkups and they're all perfectly fine. So I think, um, yeah, I think that's a good sign that we don't have to go back too much. <laughs> Absolutely. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you is when uh, people are looking to start the health journey, I know myself included, you're looking for quality resources to find evidence-based information so that you're not you know, that you're not going to harm yourself, uh, changing over your nutrition, especially building that low-carb confidence. And I was just wondering if you could share some of the resources that you used uh, because on your link tree on Instagram, you have a lot of resources there for people, um, for resources regarding cholesterol, uh, heart disease, um, just basic low-carb nutrition, uh, zero-carb nutrition uh, to help your followers also build confidence and to learn and educate. And that's one thing that I really appreciate about you. And I was just wondering if you could share some of the resources that really empowered you in your journey. Yeah, definitely. Okay. The person that comes to mind first is Kevin Stock. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, he's a dentist. He's got this great website. It's called kevinstock.io. Um, this was one of the main resources I kept referring back to whenever I was worried about, okay, like, is this really going to affect, I don't know, um, my health in a bad way. Um, he has so many research articles on, you know, cholesterol and why it's protective. Um, anything you could think of, I like to look at the resources there and, just as it comes up in my stories, when people post about them, I'll Google it and look at it and then realize, okay, this is a legit thing and 
put it on my link tree. Um, but it's empowering to have a community and follow those people um, that have also had these doubts, you know? I mean, no one, I don't think anyone has started as a baby, like, and stuck with the carnivore diet. You know, we all had our health journeys. We've all learned to kind of question, you know, what the government says about what to eat. And um, so I'll follow people who put out articles. I mean, Sean Baker links a lot of good articles. Metabolic Mike. Um, yeah, people like that. Robert Lustig, um, Nina Teichel, Scary Taubes, you know, all the major players in this. Yeah. Awesome. I definitely think that that's, um, it's important to empower yourself in looking at both sides of the issue, looking at the research, uh, because there are so many amazing doctors and scientists that are working on this mm -hmm. problem and looking to, to find the answer. Uh, yeah. What what is optimal health, and what we're finding is there isn't that one size fits all. That there's there's a spectrum, yes. and you know you have your genetic susceptibility, environmental triggers, um, the importance of the gut microbiome, which we just spoke with Dr. Alesso Fasano regarding. So there's right. so many different pathways to get to that journey, and that's one thing that I appreciate so much about you sharing your journey today with us. And I'm wondering, what's next for you, Grace? What does 2021 hold in store for you? Well, right now, I actually made it a point just to be consistent. Like, I didn't want to set crazy goals because in the past, my goals have involved losing weight. Like, okay, I'll lose weight this year, you know. But I think consistency for me is key, as with everything else. But, um just, I guess, posting my food. Um, I've been walking. I made it a point to walk my dogs individually, and that's a lot with three, um, every day, and just doing solo walks also because gyms are closed, and I actually love walking. That's something I do every day. Um, but get my steps in, and I have one pair of dumbbells. So being consistent with uh, working out every day, and eating nutrient-dense foods daily. Even with a binge, I will still get my nutrient-dense foods and eggs and steak and all that. Um, but I guess just putting information out there and sharing information, I think that's really helpful. Um, I haven't had my labs checked uh, recently, but I remember last year, so I actually, my friend has polycystic kidney disease and she was looking for a kidney donor. And this kind of hit home for me just because I went in to donate, I wanted to be qualified to donate a kidney for her. And I went through so many tests, you know, like all these, I went, I did blood tests, you know, um, urine tests and everything like that. And after several months of it, the doctor said that my cholesterol was too high. And that was the only reason. Yeah, I was so livid. I So I emailed the doctor back, you know, the nephrologist, and I, I showed him all these articles like, okay, you know, higher cholesterol doesn't show what you think it does, you know, and then they were just like, oh, it's too much of a risk factor and all this stuff. So I guess just putting more information out there because I think the main, most doctors just aren't keen on this information or are kind of stuck in what they have learned and what the main messages, you know, 
of like saturated fats and cholesterol and all that stuff. So yeah, just sharing information I think is great. And that's what I'll be continuing to do in 2021. Yes, and I appreciate that so much about you because I've learned a ton from your account. I follow all your stories and your posts and love trying out your recipes, but also uh, the articles and the resources that you post because it's helped me uh, learn as well. And that's one thing I love about the community, mm -hmm. the community, um, you know, in, in low carb is there is that constant evolving conversation. What is what does the evidence show and really evolving uh, with that evidence. So in closing for our podcast, what would be the number one piece of advice that you would give people that are just starting out that you wish you knew at the beginning of your journey? I would say prioritize protein, like something tangible like that, prioritize protein. And it's funny that um, I feel like when people are giving advice, the people who don't know that don't, it doesn't really hit them as hard as at like, unless you've actually been there and done it, you know, because I think back in the day, I've probably heard that before, but it never was like a sticking point for me. But now that I've done it, and I know what it feels like to have, um, you know, be fueled with fat and protein, I would say prioritize protein, and everything else will kind of just fall into place. Um, you know, I've regained my health, like mental health back and health also. Um, so I think that's really important. Awesome. And can you let everyone know your um, Instagram and social media handles so that they can follow you? Yeah, my Instagram is at Miss Grace. So that's M-S dot Grace. And I just started a Twitter and I think it's M-S Grace 417. So I just started it. <laughs> awesome. So everybody, make sure that you follow Grace and, and connect with her over there, especially for her amazing recipes and all the information that she shares. So thank you so much for joining us today, Grace. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me on. It was so fun. <laughs>